picture myself either being the one driving the chariot and texting uh, the book of Isaiah while I'm driving and trying to read it, or I'm, I'm the one... Uh, hey, hey, what are you reading? What are you reading? You get the picture. This guy has been down. He, he's coming from Ethiopia, way down south of the Mediterranean, continent of Africa. He's come up to Jerusalem to worship, and now he's heading home. He's a powerful person in the, uh, the queen's court. He lives in Ethiopia. Apparently, he had not got enough worship in Jerusalem because now he's reading the uh, scriptures as he's traveling home, but he's not understanding <coughs> what he's saying. And Philip has been directed by the Holy Spirit to come up alongside of him and perhaps explain to him what he might be reading. And as he does, pastors might speak on this passage and talk about the evangelism process of Philip, or they might talk about the need of the, the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, various ways to go about this passage, but what was it, and what was it he didn't understand, and what was it that Philip actually explained to him? What he's reading is from Isaiah chapter 53, and it's a direct quote. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who's the prophet talking about, himself or somebody else? And Philip says, talking about Jesus. Isaiah is a very important prophetical very important, especially during this time, because people are wrestling with the, uh, who Jesus really is, and, and some of the religious leaders are trying to understand what the scriptures have said about him. Um, there's some questions going on. Um, some people are saying, no, this is not talking about the past throughout history, and that some way God is going to use the nation of Israel to redeem the rest of the human race. Some are asking, is this about the Messiah? Has he come? Did they miss it? Who is this passage really talking about? Prophetical background, because of its truth to history. Isaiah was written 700 years before this time, um, and it contains prophecies of a nation of Israel that were gonna happen 100 years later that came true that because of their disobedience, that they would be destroyed uh, by the Babylonians, that Jerusalem would fall, they'd be taken into captivity. And eventually, uh, through uh, the rising of Cyrus, they would come back to Jerusalem and be able to rebuild. And the prophecy is so succinct about what is going to happen that many people would say, no, this had to be written after because the historical account 
is so accurate but it was written before and now people around israel are fighting the same questions they're dealing with the same issues jesus another thing that's impacting uh, the the reading of isaiah is not only has jesus come but there are copies of isaiah floating around apparently this individual in the chariot had a copy of it how he got a copy of it i don't know but he did floating around, and so people are talking about the prophecies of Isaiah. We know from, from history that the book of Isaiah was part of the Dead Sea Scrolls and their findings, and that there was a, almost an entire uh, that. I think Duffy's brother is very much involved with the, uh, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls and, and, and what uh, it means to study them, but one of the things that we have historically is, is that the prophecies of Jesus were given prior to the time of Jesus when we have the archaeological discoveries which say and talk about what Jesus was going to do before he came. And that's, that's proven historically and scientifically. In Isaiah's prophecies, he prophesizes that not only would the nation of Israel return from Babylon, and they had expectations about what that Messiah would be. We talked a little bit about that in Sunday school this morning, about what those expectations of the Messiah might be. Leslie talked to us. Um, but Isaiah specifically talks in this chapter about Jesus fulfillment. So as you look through the book of Isaiah about Jesus, it tells us that he was going to be born of a virgin, the prophecies about John the Baptist, uh, Jesus was going to come with wisdom and understanding, he would perform miracles, despised, rejected, bruised, beaten, beyond recognition, it tells us in the 52nd chapter. But we also have great passages like uh, Isaiah chapter 9, the Christmas passage, for unto us is born a child is born, a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We have prophecies about both the birth, the death, <coughs> the ministry, John the Baptist, his forerunner. All of that is in the book of Isaiah. And so we only need to look back and say Jesus was the fulfillment of those things wanted to understand. Who is this talking about? Talking about Jesus. Jesus, verses 16 through 21, we have Jesus, <clears throat> the story of Jesus, when he goes up to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it, he found the place where a passage from Isaiah And that passage says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to, for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Where it talks about he was the one who was going to bring the good news. He was the one that was anointed. He was going to bring recovery to the blind. And after he had read it, 
He simply rolled it back up, gave it back to the person that handed it to him, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and then Jesus said to them, Today, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Understand that the prophecies of Isaiah are key to understanding the New Testament and the fullness of life of Jesus. That's what was on the Ethiopian's mind while he was riding in the chariot. As they're driving down the highway, there's not a lot of drive for hours across the desert, and you can be thinking about all kinds of things. And sometimes they're very spiritual things, and sometimes they're not a thing. That's kind of what I thought. But back to the Ethiopian. Who is this passage talking about? How can I understand it unless somebody explains to me? And he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, he opened not his mouth. Philip explained it to him and told him about the good news of Jesus Christ. Evangelism techniques that Philip, you can focus on how the Spirit told him to go exactly with this time that he was put. And let's go back to Isaiah. We're entering the Easter time. Easter is four weeks from today. And as we look towards Easter and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, we remember that the week before he was resurrected, that he was also crucified, and that he was also rejected. Even after a grand entrance into Jerusalem on the Sunday prior to Easter, there were people with expectations that he was going to overthrow governments, that he was going to take everything over and take control and, and bring in a new, as we see the week unfold. That's not what happened. So I want us during these few Sundays to delve into Isaiah 53 and think and grasp about what Isaiah had to say about who the suffering servant, Jesus, the Messiah, was. Mankind, a man of suffering, a familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised. We held him in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. With four lines. sins that I've committed as a result of human beings that God had to be pierced for for my wrongdoing. He was punished so that we might have peace. And I believe that's a spiritual peace. A peace with God. 
that includes not only our walk here on earth, but a peace that is everlasting. And by his wounds, we are healed. We talk about healing this morning. People were healed during Jesus' time. Did you ever mass? That's how he gathered people, as we talked in Sunday school this morning. That's how he gathered his followers. He healed the sick, lame, and the lazy, as they call it in the military. He brought them. We're focusing on that healing process of what Jesus did. He has healed us by his own sufferings and his wounds. I want us to look this morning specifically at how Jesus was wounded and how. Several years I had the opportunity to work in the uh, clinic, which is a clinic, pain clinic. My role was a chaplain, but we had noticed that people who had experienced chronic pain uh, were experiencing much more than just physical pain. That there, there were things that went much deeper than the physical pain. A team of uh, chaplain, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a counselor, uh, nurse, and we would meet over an eight-week period with group of people that were experiencing chronic pain. And part of my role was to see how deep this pain really went in terms of beyond the physical process. And so as we met with the group, we would brainstorm. Tell me about your physical pain. What brings you here to this clinic? And what is it that you're hurting over? Well, I got fibromyalgia. I've got this, this lower back pain that I can't get rid of. I've got this uh, trick in my neck that I can't, uh, docs can't be fixed, can't fix it, uh, whatever it was. A uh, lot, of, lot of the folks in the clinic were guys that jumped out of airplanes at 19 years old and hit the ground hard. Uh, either they were stupid or their parachute didn't open or they just chose to go airborne, which, you know. But nevertheless, many of them had been injured and with pain that would not go away. talk about their pain, we realize there were layers to the pain because in their pain there were things that they could no longer do, things that they could no longer identify themselves with. But they still dealt with the physical pain. Jesus healed many from their pain, physical pain. And some of us have that expectation that if I come to Jesus with my physical malady, whatever it is, that Jesus is going to take care of it. And he might. He might. More than one of our patients at the VA hospital in Tucson had his story in guidebooks of how God had healed them. But not all were relieved of that physical pain. But knowing that there were layers, we knew the pain physical level. Jesus, in verse 5 of this passage, says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. I want you to think about the pain. It was designed to be painful. They beat him beyond recognition. They spit on him. He had to carry the cross by himself. A wood had to hurt those wounds that he already had. He was nailed to the teeth, beating down on him. If he 
you've seen the movie The Passion, you got the picture. Jesus was one who endured physical pain and suffering. But he did it so that one day, eventually, as we live in all eternity with God and receive our heavenly bodies, we will not experience that pain. Although we might experience it till the day we die. Some might be healed from it. Did you look in Pontus? Did you look at faith? Probably God wants to do it. Not all might be healed from the physical pain. One day we will. Why? Because Jesus took our physical pain and the beatings, the crucifixions, so that one day we would be glorified with our heavenly bodies that would be absent of pain. As we continue to work with these folks in pain clinic, but ask the question, okay, let's put up our on the board all the things you can't do because of this chronic pain. I can't go to work, I can't take care of my family, I can't do the things that I want to do, I can't run anymore, I can't lift anything, I can't be independent, I have, somebody asked, here's all the things that you can't do, here's all the things that you're limited to. What's going on inside when you have lost your identity? And this was especially true with with young men and women in their late 30s who had been in the the military as a career and they could no longer do the military things they wanted to do, let alone move on through life after their career in the military to do things that they felt like they needed to do. And that caused them the loss of what they couldn't do. For some, it was the alienation of people that didn't want to relate to them anymore. For some, it was uh, the mockery that was made by, by those who still could. Um, and they would endure that loneliness and isolation of living with their chronic pain, but also living in an emotional place where they were feeling like leftovers. Verse 4 of Isaiah 53. Surely, he has carried our griefs and carried our sorrows. Jesus, when he was on the cross, he suffered the abandonment of those closest to him, the disciples, the ones. The denial of Peter. We, we focus on how Peter might have felt at that time, but what did Jesus feel then? One who was closest to him, who had pledged his support to the very end, denied him. The crowds were so enthusiastic that he received him just five days earlier, they turned on him. They made a mockery of him. They ridiculed him. That's Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised and rejected of men. Man of sorrows and acquainted with sorrow and life. But God understands the emotional struggles that we go through. The pains, the sorrows, the losses, the broken relationships the lost marriages, the kids who don't grow up the way that we want them to, the parents who are laying isolated in a care facility somewhere halfway across the country because they can't be independent anymore. You experienced it when you went to the doctor. 
when he went to Bryce, he took on, he said, all nations. So that we could experience the very joy of our salvation. The hope that the joy that is experienced by living in community with our brothers and sisters. But as we con would continue with these folks in the pain clinic, we would realize that, wait, there's more. There's a third layer. This is where I became more directly involved as we would uh, talk about this third layer of pain. There was a spiritual community that took place. Reckoned what they believed about God as a child with a God that was treating them poorly as an adult. We would think of people who were in pain because of some undue trauma and the evil that was present during that trauma and how God could allow that evil and how God could let them be as they are without hope, without purpose, without identity. Jesus understood those spiritual wounds as he was on the cross. He knew and understood the abandonment of God when he took on the sins of the world. When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He took the agony of our spiritual pain from one who had never been separated from God from the very beginning until this moment of time experienced that separation from God because he So he experienced for one moment what it was like to be abandoned by God. That many of those who spiritual experience could look and try to discover where God really is, a, a new definition of God maybe. They work through their hopelessness and find that there is hope. Sometimes they are wounded spiritually because their community of faith has abandoned them. run into a few people who have been part of this congregation in the last, over the last few years. Ran into somebody last week. I've been satisfied that most of the people that who have left this congregation have found themselves to be happily placed in another community of faith and serving the Lord. But this one individual was not. unfortunately those spiritual wounds and we'll heal this individual too as we pray for those who are being wounded for some it's guilt shame the fear of evil yet the Lord's prayer says deliver us from evil but there are those who fear daily the evil presence that can come against them involved in, in things in their lives that were brought out of evil and they they wrestle with the fact that they participated in evil and can't get over that and the guilt that goes along with that is so deep that only God can heal that. For them, I, I 
loss of identity, a loss of purpose, a loss of independence, a loss of dignity, a loss of hope, a loss of faith. Peter experienced that in crisis of faith when he abandoned Jesus' head and betrayed him. Do you know what this passage says? Want to know what the Ethiopian wanted to know? Do you know what it was that Philip explained to him? He explained to him the good news of Jesus. By his wounds, we are healed. Fully healed some of the physical stuff or the emotional stuff until we deal with the spiritual stuff. Until I deal with the possibility of fact that God loves me and wants to walk with me and guide me and take me through this life, I will not understand that God is looking at me from the inside out. By his wounds, we are healed. Faith overcomes fear. to us, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of those three things is love, and that's the love of Jesus Christ. That when he was on this cross, and he put his arms out like this, he said, I love you so much, I love you this much, he stretched out his arms. told him the good news about Jesus and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. This song that Karen used to sing in our worship services at the chapel sometimes by Twilight Harris Lately, I've been winning battles left and right, but even winning can get wounded in the fight. People say that I'm amazing, strong beyond my years. They don't know that I go running home when I fall down. They don't know who picks me up when no one is around. I drop my sword and I fly to the sun. Because deep inside this army is warriors to defend. Unafraid because his armor is the best. Even soldiers need a quiet place to rest. People say that I'm amazing, never face retreat, but they don't see the enemy that rages at his feet. They don't know that I go running home when I fall down. They don't know who picks me up when no one is around. I drop my sword and fly and get to rest because deep inside this army is warrior.
until that separation occurs. So Help us to never forget that it's our name.